Fatu. I'm at the Southeast Linux Fest, and I'm um, actually a little bit honored to be talking to Alan Hicks, who is involved with the Flackware uh, project. So, um, hi, Alan. Well, hi, Clatu, and, and you ain't got to feel honored. I'm just a regular old fella. You're from what state again? Uh, I'm from Lysilla, Georgia. From what state? Well, I'm from Georgia, and I'm from the town of Lysilla in Georgia. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, and what do you think of the festival so far? Uh, I think it's been a, a big success. I didn't think we was gonna have this kind of turnout. Yeah. Uh, for the first year, and you know, uh, a, a new startup only a single day. Yeah. And to have over 400 people present is, uh, I think, a astounding success. Yeah. I don't think you know, like the Ohio Linux Fest happened about 150 their first year. I don't think Scale had many more than we have here their first year. And, you know, that's Los Angeles, a major metropolitan area, and, you know, a uh, uh, big, I guess you would say, bastion for computers in yeah, yeah. California. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think it's been excellent. I think the uh, the people did a great job putting it on. They got a good location for everything. And so far, everything's gone smoothly. Everybody's getting along, and it's just been great. And now, how did you get roped into it? Like, what, what, how did you get involved, or, or to what extent are you involved? Uh, well, I first heard about the Southeast Linux Fest uh, probably a, a little less than a year ago, maybe August, September of '08. And uh, at this point, nobody was really sure exactly what it was going to be, how mm -hmm. it was going to play out. And, you know, I agreed to help in, in some ways, but I'm not a good organizer, so I certainly didn't want to have anything to do with actually having to organize and get everything together. But I agreed to uh, do a presentation on, you know, basically whatever they wanted. Uh, and, you know, I've been in some of the RC chats uh, during some of their meetings and, you know, tried to offer some helpful suggestions. But, I mean, I'm certainly not to thank for putting on this great thing. Uh, I didn't have all that much to do with it, though I've known about it and, you know, have been pseudo-involved, I guess you would say, for a while. Uh, but, you know, the the real thanks goes to Dave and, and James and all these other people, you know, that, uh, or Jeremy, James, that's J people, yeah, that, uh, you don't have to edit it out, you know, people can see that I'm just an ordinary fan, but, uh, you know, the, the the credit really goes to guys like those who, who spent, you know, almost a year and are already getting ready to plan the next one. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been using, I guess, Linux, and then how long have you been involved with Slackware? Uh, you can kind of answer those questions together because I started with Slackware. Wow. Okay. Uh, that was my very first distribution in uh, 2001, early 2001. Okay. Uh, when I got started, my first... I'll say my first up-to-date computer is my first real computer. I didn't really buy that until late 2000, mm -hmm. and I'd heard about Linux. Just well, what's uh, your background? Passing. I mean, why why would you have heard of Linux? Oh, uh, that's a really tough question for me to answer. <laughs> why did I hear of it? I have no idea where I first heard of it. I was working at a Sam's Club selling electronics at the time. That's probably yeah, where I heard of it. Yeah, uh, not the greatest job in the world, but thank God I had it at the time. Yeah, cause, yeah. 
you know, it was, I needed a job. I didn't yeah. have a college education. Still don't, but now oh, I don't okay. really need it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I installed it in, in 2001. Uh, it was Slackware 7.1 that bought from Amazon because God knows I couldn't have downloaded it with right, uh, right. the little cheapo dial-up connection I had. And uh, I started, the, we started the Slack book project to, to rewrite the original first edition uh, probably in 03, maybe really early 04. Okay. And it didn't really get published until, you know, several years later because things got started and then they kind of just slacked off a lot of interest died and uh, I sort of officially joined the development team in I'd say it was January of 08 or maybe December of 07 uh, and I've been involved with them and I guess you would say officially uh, since then okay um, yeah I mean I when I started with Slackware I, I was reading the Slack book, um, and by turns I thought it was brilliant and the most aggravating, you know, worst written thing. Because you know, <laughs> when anything works, you're like, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. Whoever did this, they're brilliant. And then when it doesn't work for you, you blame it on the person who wrote the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, you, well, blame me. <laughs> you know, I'm not. I'm not brilliant. Some people have called me that. I'm just an average guy who works hard on some of this stuff and mm. uh you know I think if you're if you got a decent head on your shoulders and you're willing to work hard at learning mm -hmm. uh you can do that but yeah. I'm certainly not flawless <laughs> and you know the slack book was never written to uh you know cover everything it was right. really just to 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 get the operating system installed help you configure X a little bit give yep. you basics of VI and Emacs yeah. so that you can yeah. edit your configuration files you know, give you an idea of how to manage the file system, users, groups, permissions, yeah. uh, things along that nature. And we're currently uh, revising it, or I'm currently revising it. It's not really even a revision, it's a complete rewrite from the ground up. Yeah. And we'll have a doc book source code available that will actually work this time. <laughs> cool. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, I was hoping to get it out mid summer of this year mm -hmm. but uh work has been crazy and are you in the it industry now yeah 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 okay. i work for a place called cts macon okay uh we work out of macon georgia and uh we do we do a little bit of everything everything mm -hmm. from asterisk to samba to uh ftp to web posting and email hosting to vpns but basically, we we do anything that a small business needs their IT to do for an hourly rate. And uh, it, it really works out for most of our clients because even if they pay, you know, our hourly rate of $95 an hour, they might only spend $20,000 a year with us. Right. And if they hired someone in to do that, they'd be spending forty to $60,000 plus benefits. Right, right. Okay. That's cool. Um, it's really cool that you get to do that all day. <laughs> well, uh, it, or not. <laughs> it, it, it is, but then you also have to figure, you know, a lot of times you're just repairing Windows workstations oh, or okay. setting up printers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not all as, it's not it's not as glamorous yeah. <laughs> and you don't get to do everything you would like to do all the right. time. Okay. Uh, 
but on the flip side, you know, when when work does slow down, uh, I do have a lot of leeway to figure out, you know, what new technologies are coming down, what, you know, things we can uh, put together for our clients that, mm -hmm. you know, can bring in some new business, and, and basically I get to play with some new technology. That's how we got started with Asterisk. Uh, we were looking at, you know, new businesses. When a new business opens, they need two things uh, predominantly as far as IT goes. They need computer networks mm -hmm. and they need a phone system. Right. And we were, you know, set up entirely to handle the computer system. And mm -hmm. that was fine. But why can't we do their computer system and do the phone system as well? You know, just get a bigger piece of the pie for starting up a business, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, kind of where we went for that. But Cool. What <clears throat> What's your take, I guess, personally on Slackware? Is I mean, I, I don't suppose anyone's going to say that any distribution is for everyone, but who is Slackware for? I think Slackware is for... Uh, a lot of different people. One is for anyone old or new to Linux mm -hmm. who wants to learn. With with Slackware, well, let me preface this by saying, you know, with other distributions, not to not, you know, Fedora or Ubuntu or SUSE, they often have their own, I don't want to say proprietary, but specific to them ways of configuring files. Right. Like if you look, you know, just through the Etsy directory and a lot mm -hmm. of these distributions, yeah. you'll see warnings that say do not hand edit this file. Yeah, yeah. And if you do, it'll get overwritten. Yeah. Slackware isn't like that. So the things you learn in Slackware can translate not just to other Linux distributions, but they'll transfer to the BSDs, they'll transfer in many ways to Solaris, or AIX, I've admin some of those boxes based almost exclusively on my Slackware knowledge. That's cool. And even to OSX, some of your underlying is BSD based. Yeah. And a lot of those skills are able to translate, and it's not always, uh, uh, you don't always get that same level of feeling from other Linux distributions or operating systems. And in addition, I think any any power user Mm -hmm. would really appreciate Slackware. Um, you do have to go through a little bit more work. Mm -hmm. We don't ship uh, all the libraries and odd programs and stuff, yeah. but all the basics are there, and with the slackbills.org project, most everything you desire is easily compiled, packaged, and installed. Yeah, um, it's almost a no-brainer on Slackbills. I mean, like, if you use that... Yeah, and we're we're going through a growing process right now, as we try to support a 64-bit Slackware. Right. And we also want yeah we also want to be able to support multiple download links. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're not familiar with Slack builds, we uh, every uh, application I guess you would say has its own directory. So if we're talking about Postfix, there's a Postfix directory, and in there there's a README file telling you what you need. There's a postfix.slack build file that you run to create it, and there's a postfix.info file in addition to some other things like RC scripts and the like. And that info file has the download link for postfix. It has MD5 sums for the download. It has, you know, who to contact if this doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And previously we've only had like one download link and one MD5 sum link. Mm. And some things require you to download multiple uh, source archives and we right. want to be able to more better uh, 
we want to be able to better support that. Yeah. So we're looking at some ways of doing that in addition to having different download links depending on your architecture, especially when you deal with something like OpenOffice, which we repackage from their binary distribution. Right. Uh, we need one download link for 486-based uh, systems and a separate one for x86 underscore 64 system. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're going through a growing phase with that. But uh, I think we've got a handle on it, and you know we'll just see what the consensus comes to in the next couple months. The next step for Slackware, the next big release, is going to be 13, right? It's not another almost certainly going to be 13.0. Yeah, okay. And they are they've are well they've switched to four now KDE four mm -hmm. now, and everyone seems to be pretty pleased with that. I mean, for them to switch to it, obviously, I guess the well, you know, uh, there's still some controversy, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, People like KDE 3 still. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's rock stable, but there's really not a whole lot of development work right. at all being done there. Yes. And we've included KDE 3, you know, for the past few releases after KDE 4 was available. And we may find that, you know, KDE 3 is available through some third parties. Right. Uh, yeah. There's been talk about doing that. KDE 4, though, has has while it's not as stable as KDE 3 was, it has a lot of nice new features. Yeah. Uh, the whole compositing window manager, mm -hmm. uh, the ability to do 3D effects. Yeah. And while there are some things that aren't quite as nice anymore, there are a lot of additional features that I think a lot of people would like if yeah. you know they they try it. So while there's while there's still you know some, I guess you would say some fighting against going to KDE mm -hmm. 4. It, the decision's been made. It's not going right. to be backed out. <laughs> and, you know, we're just going to have to see how, you know, 4.2 and 4.3 and on down the line go. Because, I mean, if you, look at, if you look at this compared to, say, the non 2.0 release, I don't know if you were around for that time, but, and I'm almost on the other side of the fence here because I hated NOM 2. Yes. Hated NOM 2. I love NOM 1.x because okay. it was so easy to configure. Uh, Gnome 2 took away a whole lot of that and changed a whole lot, and people weren't as comfortable with it. But, you know, going down the line, people began to accept it. It became better and better, and I think the same thing's going to happen with KDE 4 here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've seen, I, I was with KDE 4 from 4.0, I mean, from that release event that you were probably at as well, right? Yes, I was there. I was there. I didn't talk to anyone. Really? Uh, yeah. I missed out meeting Chess Griffin, Dave Yates. You, Patrick himself, oh, uh, you know, basically, you know, I mean, I was just like, wow, I really wish I was sociable. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, well, the great thing about being around geeks, if you're not sociable, nobody's going to hold it against right, you. Right, exactly. And I if know. you are sociable and screw <laughs> up, nobody's going to hold it against you because we're not any better. <laughs> exactly. I know. That's why it's it's fun, it's fun to be around at a festival like this because, yeah, there is a certain amount of ease of just like I can go talk to that person because yeah, yeah, yeah. they probably feel as awkward as I do right now. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, so I mean I've seen huge, you know, changes from four point oh to just four point two point two or whatever we're at now. So I mean I'm Yeah, really, I mean there's there's I mean, been a lot a lot of changes. Yeah, the office has improved a lot. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was even available when four oh was released. It wasn't, yeah. <laughs> uh so you know there's still there's still a lot of growing pains. There's still a lot of stability work that needs to be done. But overall, I think it's an improvement, and it's 
it's one of those things that we kind of have to put in because that's where all the development work is going to. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we don't throw it in, you know, at some at some point you have to make the decision that this is what we're going to have and this is what we're going to go forward with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where the right place to make that decision is, that can be debated. But, uh, you know, we decided or Pat decided, you know, now is the time just get rid of KDE3, we'll go straight with KDE4. Yeah. And I think it's going to work out fine for us. Yeah, I think it was a good choice. And like you say, it's kind of inevitable at some point anyway. So, um, I mean, at least some of the other distros hit, you know, most of the bugs before we did. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, that's kind of the Slackware method, you know. I mean, let other people find the problems, you know. I mean, it's Slackware is, you can put it on your system and you can rest assured that it's going to, going to work for you, you yeah, know, yeah which is at least a stable branch i mean right the current yeah branch if you is, run current yeah but the current branch you know no no guarantees can be made <laughs> and really we don't make any guarantees for the stable branch right, either right. but i don't think anybody does yeah but but you know even our current branch is is almost like you know debian unstable you know debian yeah. unstable is a heaps different from debian testing it's right. almost as rock solid as anything else yeah yeah uh, especially uh, now, we'll see. I say it's rock stable, but you know, like just this past week, thirty percent of the operating system was replaced in a single commit. You know, X yep. was recompiled. Yeah. Everything that depended on X was recompiled, yeah. and uh, you know, a lot of major changes went in with HAL and and, and things. So, you know, current. While it, it it stays fairly stable on your systems, is guaranteed to change at any time mm-hmm. until it gets that you know magic penguin pee, I guess you say, yeah, exactly. and, and becomes released. <laughs> I hadn't heard that before. Um, the um, the sixty four bit. You told me when I saw you yesterday that you guys, a lot of the people doing Slackware stuff, are running it now. And have been running it for six months or more on oh, just about everything. Wow, okay. Uh, feeling pretty confident on it, then. Yeah, feeling really confident. Eric Hamleers, uh, he's the he's the guy really to thank as far as doing uh, getting Slackware 64 and pushing it. He uh, mirrored the uh, non-public current tree and basically rebuilt everything Wow. Uh, on his own. You know, we've looked at... And work together merging the uh, the uh, Slack build 64 files and the regular 32-bit Slack builds into one, so that they're much easier to maintain upstream. Basically, we want to have just one source repo, you know, kind of like Debian and some of the yeah. others do, and support yeah. multiple distributions, mm-hmm. even out of, out of a single you know build script. You can just run this build script with a specific architecture, either uh-huh. Arch equals A, uh-huh. I486, or X8664, and it'll build a package dependent on that. Very cool. What is, your, I mean, give me an idea of like, and this is probably specific to you, but just in general, the people developing, you know, and working on Slackware, you guys, you know, you come home, you sit down, and you go straight to the computer and just work all night on it, or you have uh, regular meetings, or I mean, how does this work? It, it, it depends, uh, and everyone's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric is the kind of guy who comes home from work after working on computers, and he can 
he can slam on slackware all night long. <laughs> wow. uh, I'm not. You know, I have to have some wind down time. <laughs> yeah. And afternoons are, are often uh, busy with me doing other things. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have a, while I'm not married and I don't have any kids, I, I do spend a lot of time with my family, my sisters, mm-hmm. and their kids, and, and my folks. So uh, a good bit of my early time is taken up. And then I have, you know, my own work projects and things. So. Generally, when I'm able to help with slackware, it's almost during my work hours. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a slow work week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we use slackware on almost all our servers. Okay. All our Linux boxes are slackware oh, at very my cool. place of business. Wow. So, really you know, cool. a lot of my development work is done there when I have time when, you know, we're not absolutely busy. And right. I'd love to hire someone else that, you know, would work for Peanuts <laughs> uh, so I could do more of that. Oh, really? But so far, you know, that hasn't somewhat, you know, that hasn't really worked out with the, you know, economy the way it is. We'll just see, you know, when we're able to do that. I'm trying to anymore. think if, if I would be willing to sleep in my car and get paid <laughs> a low minimum wage for... Uh, the opportunity to contribute to Slackware. Oh, in no, some, no, in some no. Small we, way. We, we pay you a quarter an hour <laughs> over minimum wage. Oh, okay. <laughs> Could be worth it, totally. Yeah, I'll think about that. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the best, way, the best way to contribute to Slackware is, is the same way that, that everyone on the development team uh, got there. They earned their spot, mm-hmm. you know, off of it. Uh, by communicating with Pat via email, making real meaningful suggestions, right. uh, working in current, downloading updates, you know, building their own updates, and and testing, seeing what works, what doesn't, and uh, you know, contributing that information to Pat and and some of the others. Uh, you can always email, you know, anyone on the development team, yeah. uh, especially Robbie and and Eric, uh, Robbie Workman and Eric Hamler's. And uh, Peter Punk, they're really the the most, I guess you'd say, hardcore. They're the mm-hmm. most active of anyone on the development team, with the exception of Pat. Yeah. But you can email, you know, any of that to us. We'll, and, and, you know, if you don't want to send it direct to Pat, we'll uh, hack on it a little bit ourselves, figure out, you know, if you're right, and we'll forward it on. You'll absolutely get credit. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't get forgotten in the Slackware community. Pat right. really... Uh, is really good about giving credit where it's due and, uh, you know, remembering people who have them out. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to read through the change logs sometimes and see who's done certain things, you know. Yeah. Like, it's, it's kind of, you you see names that you don't, I saw Chess Griffin's name in there once. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just like, oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, Slackware is a great uh, OS and... Slack book was a fantastic read. Well, um, I hope to make it even better. Yeah, know? yeah, totally. Um, and and one thing that I've I've talked about, and I don't know if this is going to be the way it, it comes out. You know, the Slack book is kind of geared mainly towards newbies, not just newbies to Slackware, but newbies to Linux. I started with Slackware. Right. Cold. I mean, cold. No idea what Linux was or anything. Yes. Well, to and, this day, I think that's probably the best way to start with yeah. Linux. And, and you know, the book really helped me out. I didn't know how to run VI or do any of these things. Mm-hmm. And wow. uh, it was, you know, really helpful to me in that sense. And I'd like to keep that for new for people who are new to Linux entirely and want to use Slackware. I'd like to keep that for them. But I'm also thinking about, you know, after we do we finish this first one to publish a second one that's geared towards intermediate users yeah, yeah. that will focus more on uh, more on uh, proper firewall and proper network setup right. 
you know, advanced forms of administrating users and groups, uh, email and, and HTTP, and, you know, then uh, looking towards building your own applications, not necessarily even from Slack builds. That, that, that's a fantastic idea because as someone trying to learn more about programming and stuff, it's impossible to find a book or a book series that takes you from one place to another place. They always just kind of talk about one thing. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of documentation assumes you know some certain yeah, basics. Yeah. And I run ac I ran across this and, and still running across it uh, with asterisk. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the stuff with asterisk assumes you know a lot of this telephony stuff. Right, right. And uh, a lot of people don't. Yeah. So, you know, there's not necessarily a, a, a book that, that can teach you the basics as to, you know, what sort of digital telephony services, cir circuits mm -hmm. there are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then take you into how to configure it with asterisk. You know, a lot of times they, they expect that. Yeah. And programming books are, are often like that as well. Yeah, they don't, yeah. They don't necessarily, they expect you to either know all the theory. Right. Or none of it. Right, yeah. And then don't actually get into any hard coding. Right, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, we're look we're not guaranteed to do this. Sure. But I'm, I'm definitely considering doing it into mm -hmm. the future. Uh, after the uh, Slackbook 3.0, I guess you say, gets released. Right. Uh, I'd say we're about, you know, halfway along as, as far as all the content and stuff goes and then it need to be edited. Mm -hmm. But uh, a lot of the a lot of the hard chapters are behind us. Right. A lot of the other stuff, you know, the IE Max, that can almost be replicated verbatim from right. the original. Yeah, it's not like anything changed. you know, we're doing a rewrite, so mm -hmm. I'm not even looking at the original for those. But, okay. you know, that stuff's fairly easy. Yeah. One of the reasons we haven't released so far is because so much recently has changed. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we've added an architecture, build scripts have changed. The installer is changing slightly, mm -hmm. and so it's difficult for me to write what the installer is going to be yeah. when it hasn't been 100% finalized yet. Yeah. We've got, you know, MK and NRD, and, and I really want to push people to use the generic kernel. I'm not even certain there's going to be a huge kernel available oh, really? uh, when 13.0 goes out, because okay. we, we also have to struggle against... Uh, bit bloat, you know, we have to keep everything on a single DVD. Right. And, you know, that's that's applications, I mean, the binaries, the packages, mm -hmm. that's the source code, yeah. that's the kernels, that's everything. So sometimes space has to be trimmed somewhere yeah. along the line. Yeah. And we've always recommended that people use the generic kernels instead of the huge ones. Mm -hmm. So... You know, it just depends. We're not entirely certain, or I'm not entirely certain, there won't be just a generic kernel. Right. But, yeah. you know, I'm not aware that that decision has been made. Okay. And it might be made differently. Right. So it's difficult for me to say, sure. you know, to write those sections of the Slack book when they haven't been completely decided yet. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like you have to wait for 13.0 to be released. Yeah before you can write those things. Well, either way, it's going to be exciting, especially the 64-bit version. I think that's really great. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been using it for a long time. Uh, we, you know, we used it for quite a while before it was, you know, public knowledge. Yeah. Uh, and it was, 
kind of a little hard to keep a lid on sometimes because we had to, you know, consult with uh, Mozilla so we could oh, okay. rebuild Firefox and keep it looking the same as our 32-bit Firefox, okay. which is just a repackaging. Otherwise, right. we'd have had to name it Ice Weasel or something, right, yeah, like, yeah. something crazy like yeah. that because they don't make a, a 64-bit blob, I guess you would say, that we could just repackage and then okay. distribute the source. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, it's been very informative. Um, thanks a lot for talking to me. Well, thanks for having me. It's been cool. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by Caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.